Hi everyone, just a note before we start. This episode contains discussions around some sensitive material, including child sexual exploitation. You work with former FBI and CIA agents to, to pose as, was it a victim or was it a person seeking? All of the above. Were you ever afraid? Okay, so always afraid, just so the record is clear. Yeah. Terrified. <laughs> every time two weeks later they were able to do another sting and take everybody down and and we got i think it was 27 um young girls out of that oh country that had been trafficked hello and welcome back to floodlight the podcast from us here at the anti-slavery collective we're committed to helping to eradicate what's still a huge problem that affects every one of us. Around 50 million people are enslaved across the world, across all sorts of demographics, locations and societies. But it's a problem we can solve together. That's what we're committed to doing at The Collective, raising awareness and bringing like-minded people together who are as passionate about tackling this crisis as we are. Thank you so much for listening in. Today we're joined by Marisol Nichols, who you may well know from her starring roles in TV shows like 24 and Riverdale. But her activism work is just as remarkable. As you're about to hear, Marisol has worked with former FBI and CIA agents, local law enforcement and even Navy SEALs to help trap traffickers and child sexual predators. Her experiences that she tells us about are scarcely believable and they paint a real picture of the realities of modern slavery and exploitation. Here she is. Thanks so much for joining us, Marisol. We're huge admirers of you and the work that you do, and it's just incredible to have like-minded people uh, from all over the world who are as passionate about this issue uh, as we are. So thanks for coming on our show. No, thank you for thank you so much for using your voice and and dedicating it to this issue that is so so needed so thank you um you also have a podcast marisol tell us how do you find it and how do you how do you get such great guests um thank you um i do have a podcast we called it the hollywood vigilante based off of that um, marie claire article that came out um about what i do um and the guests most of them i work with to be honest (laughs) like i know a lot of them i think almost all of them um just because I've been, you know, doing this for about 10 years now. And, you know, when I started, I was just meeting with every single person that I could and every organization that I could. And then, oh, you should meet with so-and-so and you should meet with so-and-so. And and it just grows from there. So that's sort of how is, is I, I'm familiar with them and what they, and what they do. Or people, now that we've started you know, came out a big way. Other people actually reach out to us and reach out to my nonprofit and going, Hey, this is what we do. We'd like to maybe collaborate with you. And if it's um, something that's a voice that we haven't highlighted before we, then we have them on. Well, that's very exciting. I love that. It's, um, it's so many things that you've done, in, including your, you know, your foundation for slavery world, the Hollywood vigilante article, you know, Tell us a little bit about how you first encountered, um, you know, a case of exploitation and modern slavery and what really drew, you know, your your attention to this subject. Sure. So um, I think it was 2011, 2012. 
And I befriended this woman who was, tra- she would travel around the world educating people on their, basically on their human rights and the 30 human rights um, by the United Nations Declaration of Human Rights, right? And so that's what she would do. And she would come back and she started telling me about, she started telling me about like human trafficking. And I was like, what are you, what does that even mean? What are you talking about? And she started telling me about the things that she would literally see and run into in these different countries that she would work in. And then when she started telling me about sex trafficking and she started telling me about, about, it was horrible. She started telling me about child brothels and I just did not, my, my mind could not wrap around something that evil. Like even that those words would be together, child sex trafficking, let alone at that time, there was only 2 million caught up in, in not, not only, but compared to now, it's up to 6 million um, in 10 years. Like that's how fast it's grown. Um, and so I, I had a little girl, you know, my daughter was maybe four or five at the time. And I, I, I couldn't look at her and not picture the stories that I had heard that was of things that were happening to kids her age. And I couldn't sleep. I just, I just plain and simple, I could not sleep. And so I've always believed that if I, I had to do something about it, otherwise I was going to like go out of my mind. And so I, I decided to learn as much as I could about the issue and find out what I could do to help make a difference or spread the word or connect people or anything. Um, because I didn't think anyone knew about it back then you know and and how did you even begin to do that because you have a kind of prolific acting career and you've also dedicated so much time like like you say Marie Claire described you as the Hollywood vigilante and it's so impressive how you've managed to kind of balance those two sides of your life so how did you even begin to kind of embark on this journey I thank you I, I started I mean it it was so similar but I, I started google human trafficking it's like a okay, place, which yeah. website, okay? <laughs> like which organization had a lot, a lot of the information. One of them was the Walk Free Foundation, which is still used sort of as the platform for all other organizations, including the U.S. government. They go to the Walk Free Foundation and, and use their statistics um, as as the frame for everything, including the United Nations. Um, and then I, I would just reach out, hey. Oh, good. There's an organization here in Los Angeles, Saving Innocence. Would you guys like to meet? Oh, I'm going to go to D.C. I could go to Washington, D.C. And because I was on 24, <laughs> people would open the door and let me meet with them. So I met with I met with everybody. I mean, I met from the State Department to Homeland Security to the executive branch under Barack Obama that was directly wow. on these issues. I met with nonprofits. I met with the McCain Institute. I met with literally anyone and everyone that would meet with me so I could learn as much as I could. And then I came back to, I came back home after, and this was like probably six months to a year of just learning as much as I could and absorbing as much as I could. And then I, I was like, well, people just need to know. I I was convinced that the only reason this was allowed to occur was that nobody knew about it. Like no one was talking about it, you know, except for all the bad guys. Yeah. In, in a big way, 
And so that's when I was like, okay, well, I've got a platform. You know, I wasn't even on Riverdale yet. Um, but I was like, I've got a platform and I, I, there's got to be some way that I can educate my fellow people in the industry of what is going on. And I know that together we can do something. So that's how it sort of all started. This is before I even met who you are and Tim Ballard and before I even started going at a park. Well, the, t- the tiny towns of that, you've mentioned 24 and Riverdale too. I mean, Jules and I are totally, we are totally obsessed with 24. We actually re-watched the whole <laughs> season recently. Really? Um, oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I, it was a phenomenal show. I was so honored. I remember I used to stay up until like three, four, five in the morning watching it. And then I'd have school the next day and my mom would be like, why are you so tired? <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah, it was it was a phenomenon. And also Riverdale, obviously now, like, you know, I, I watched that as well and it's just brilliant but it it obviously what it what's so amazing about these shows and and having a voice like that is that it just like it pings you out to the world so that you can be this forefront of of knowledge and this 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 person who can share with everyone that you're doing something about it and i think jules and i are quite similar you know when we first learned about it we were like why is no one talking about this and right. how do we learn everything we possibly can so that we can all do something so exactly. yeah, it's it's so many re- so many resonating things here. Um, yeah, yeah. So okay, so well, you work with former FBI and CIA agents to to pose as a, was it a victim or was it a, was it a person seeking All services? Yeah, can you tell us a little bit more about about that? Yeah, I can say that. I mean, there's certain things I can't say, but um, depending on the country that I'm in. And depending on the operation that we're doing and what we're going after, I can, I've, you know, been able to use my acting skills to play these different characters that are manipulative to be able to get in there and get information that we need or get the guy to say what he wants to do or identify the trafficker, identify how many girls are being held, um, Things, things like that and, and turn it over to law enforcement and then they do their takedown, hopefully, and, and get, the, get them out. Um, so I've played anywhere from, you know, a little kid being, you know, sexually abused by her parents and being sold to, you know, whoever wants to show up at the front door or, you know, to a fellow trafficker who's looking to expand their business to a customer that is the kind that that would want to, you know, purchase a person hourly kind of thing, uh, particularly the ones that are held against their will. So it's sort of just depending on what's needed and depending on whenever I get a phone call is sort of what I do, if that makes sense. Wow. And two questions for you. Have What was the most surprising thing that you saw? And secondly, were you ever afraid? Okay, so always afraid, just so the record is clear. Terrified every time Um, because I am not an agent. I am not law enforcement. I'm an actor. That's it. Yeah. Like, so it's, it's, I'm relying uh, heavily and like kind of free falling um, into the people that I'm with, trusting that they will have my back if um, it goes sideways. So a always, always, um, B 
I think the most surprising thing, not even I think, it is always surprising and always shocking to me how normal the people look that are doing this. Either the ones that are trafficking and the traffickers and how they can just, like, there there are, make no mistake, these guys are evil. Like, evil incarnate, whether they're female or male, evil. And I, I always want them to look like that. I want them to look like the monster that they actually are, and they don't. They look like a normal person. And... And then the men that show up to, to purchase kids, they're, they're, they're normal people. That's what Yuzh and I always say this to each other. It's like, it's such a hidden crime. And to your point at the beginning, Marisol, where you said, you know, why isn't, why isn't everyone doing this? Or why can't everyone see this? Um, it's, it really is such a hidden crime. And, you know, for, for you and I and for you as well, we always say we cannot unsee what we've seen and therefore we go and we go and we push exactly. and we fight. And um, it's, it, it, it is terrifying how kind of normal these people look. Um, whereabouts have you done these kind of undercover investigations? And is it a kind of similar experience whether you're in the United States or overseas? Um, I can say it's in the United States and overseas is probably the most I can say um, in different third world foreign countries. It's very different in the United States. It's, um, you know, it's, it's, I'm like, this is my, you're my neighbor. Like, I don't understand. Like, it's still like, it's shocking. And the ones that the girls in the United States are United States citizens. You know, these are these are just foster care kids, runaway kids. It's it's heartbreaking. Um, overseas, a lot of the times, at least that I've seen, and it's not like I do this every month, um, but what I've seen, it is girls that have been taken from another country, tricked into coming to this country that they're in, and held against their will, or and, and forced into this sex trade, or it's extremely, extremely poverty stricken areas where predators can come in and traffickers can come in and take advantage of a natural disaster that just happened or the fact that no one, no one is looking out for these, these kids and just exploit them and take them and abuse them. And it's just like, you know, it, when you live in a first world country and you you come back from those scenarios, it, you're just like, how is this the same planet that this is occurring and that people are living in these conditions? And the fact that the people from the first world country, with everything that they have at their disposal, would spend their money and time to go travel to that hellhole to do what they do to children and then go back to their regular life. Like it's like, it's nothing like these people are somehow beneath them. It's, it's, it's hard to stomach as you know, you know, and it's what fuels me to, to continue to do this as I'm sure it does you guys. Well, this is something that when we met with um, one of the, one of the survivors who kind of helped us found our charity, mm. she was trafficked by her next door neighbor in Manchester. Um, 
and and that as in a whole situation itself I mean I was like how does that even happen right. and then she was helping advise you know a, a tv show in the UK all about um you know a storyline they were putting on and right. this the tv show had a certain way of doing it and then she would say oh no we were allowed telephones but you know so for a normal person someone with a telephone doesn't look like they they're in you know they're in a situation where they're being sort of abused right. or exploited but actually it's because the guy has to have control over her 24 hours a day and that kind of thing so you have to as you know as you did what was success like when you were like were, were you um were you wired up and and did you did you see a lot of people did you help a lot of people like then and there or was it very much that you were told after that you helped all these young women and uh, young girls and boys it's funny it 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 depends. Like the first one that I did, and I and I have to shout out to Tim Ballard and OUR. I mean, that's who I've done most of this work with. Um, so the first one that Tim had me do, I wasn't wired, but the room that we're in completely is completely wired and there's hidden cameras. Everything is on camera. Everything is being recorded. So because they use it, you know, when you turn it over to law enforcement, it's easy to, easier to prosecute when you have it there. The guy can't be like, I didn't know. <laughs> um, so with those, yes. With other ones, it's too dangerous. Um, it's just, it's too dangerous. I can't wear anything, to be honest. Um, and there's no hidden cameras or anything. The, you know, one one that we did, and we're hopefully going to make a docu-series out of it um, because we did five ops in four days in this one particular country. It took, we had so much evidence and we did so many different things that we turned it over. And one of the places, you know, I think it was two weeks later, they were able to do another sting and take everybody down. And, and we got, I think it was 27 Um young girls out of that country oh that have been trafficked from this country to that country for two years. And, wow. um, and it's funny. I didn't, I didn't like the whole time that we were there for those five days, you don't sleep, you don't eat your, your, or at least for me, my adrenaline's like through the roof. I'm terrified that someone's going to recognize me. I'm terrified. I'm not going to come home to my kid. Uh, it was like that. Right. And, I didn't cry. I didn't cry the whole time. And two weeks later when they, when they went back and they got those, those girls and women out and they, they were sending me videos and they were sending me like via WhatsApp, like here, look, look, look. That's when I, <laughs> it, it, that's when I lost it. But, but then there's like 75 other girls that we, that I spotted and saw and gave the evidence. And it took almost two years for the prosecutor and that country to go, oh, okay, you have enough evidence. So mad. And they just took them down and just got the traffickers. And so I don't always know. And sometimes something that we did or that I participated in opens the door to something else. And then I can't, I don't go on that. They'll send their guys on that. So you know, whenever I'm asked, I'm just using a particular way for a particular piece of sometimes a broader picture, if that makes sense. Marisol, how incredibly brave you are to do all of those things and, and put yourself in those positions. It's it's, it's really, really commendable. Um, and we'd love to hear more about your foundation, the foundation 
for a slavery-free world, um, which rescues women and children who have been victims of sex trafficking and exploitation. Um, again, I don't know how you have time to go undercover and then <laughs> be a Hollywood well, actress and set up a foundation. I know how much time it takes, so right. deeply impressed. Would love to hear more about your mission and, and how you came to set up the organization. Sure. So um, I set up the organization mainly because I was doing a lot more than just an actress that, you know, has a cause. It wasn't, I wasn't really a spokesperson anymore. It was more like, Hey, this is actually something that I could dedicate my life to. And so, um, I set up my nonprofit basically at the request of, um, a Senator's chief of staff in Illinois. And he was like, you need to, you need to, if you can do this and you can have your own foundation, you'll be taken a lot more seriously and you'll be able to do even more work and open up more doors. So that was, that was the entire reason why I set it up was just to kind of expand what I was already doing. And, you know, we're, we're mainly focused on preventative education. So my, you know, it's the reason why I started my podcast. It's the, it's the reason why we exist because it's like we said, it's like for me, and I always quote, um, me and, and Tim Ballard, who is on my board of directors, uh, along with some really amazing, amazing individuals that this, to me, this is allowed to occur because good people do not know about it and they do not know the extent, or they think those poor people in, in the Philippines or Africa or Cambodia or Thailand, and they have no clue that it's in their backyard. And so to me, if anything was going to get done about this, I have to reach those people. And so you know, Riverdale fortunately gave me a very good platform to reach teenagers and parents, Yeah, which was exactly, I was like, great. So if I can do a podcast and I can have all the experts on that I've worked with or, or met through something else and have them talk about what, what angle they are fighting this from, whether it's going undercover, whether it's rehabilitation, whether it's passing laws, what, whatever angle, that's what the podcast is about. And then, um, as I mentioned, it's preventative. So if I can reach a teenage girl or a parent or whoever before they get into trouble, before they get into the hands of a predator or a trafficker and give them enough information and education, hopefully it will never happen. That's something interesting about, do you think that you're going to try and get into schools across America? 100%. Or- that's yeah, yeah, thank you for asking that. We're trying, we want to build um, sort of like an add water and mix and go. Because I've been asked to come and do, I do talks a lot. I do, you know, talks about trafficking and, and what the statistics are and what it looks like and and what to look for as a parent, as a teenager, as a teacher, as a human being, um, and how to protect yourself. And I can't always do those because I can't always be there in person or whatever. So we're developing a curriculum essentially for schools for anywhere where they can literally just add water and mix. And here you go. This is the stats. This is some videos. This is some information. Here's some tips and tricks to protect yourself, that sort of thing. And so that that's what I want to do is be in every school in, in America, because I know everyone's talking about it. And, you know, Sound of Freedom is a movie that just came out here that I've known, you know, I've read the script when I came out back in 2015, we were working on it. Um, Tim was working on it and it's gone everywhere. I don't know if it's, has it made it there? Yeah. 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 Yeah, Big time. Okay. Everyone's talking about it. Yeah. 
that's opened up everything, which is incredible, um, which I'm so happy about because people are now talking about it, you know, re- reaching people that you never, ever would be able to reach. And, and now they're wanting to know more about that subject and, and digging in. So it's been it's, it's been pretty amazing. Well, that's, that was exactly what I was about to sort of leap into was like how important it is that movies and shows and these like things like the Lincoln Lawyer or Stand of Freedom and all these TV things that are coming out. It's so important that people listen to them and, and, and can educate themselves. It's, um, it's 100% vital. And it's actually, I have my own TV show that we're doing based on the work that I do in trafficking. And we have actually different versions of that. Um, it's, to me, people will understand it more through a story than a documentary. And I, even though I'm doing <laughs> a documentary, um, the challenge is to me, it's such a dark subject. Why would anyone want to turn on the TV, you know, at seven or eight o'clock at night after a hard day's work and they want to be entertained and then hear about the darkest subject on the planet. So I get it. Right. So to me, the only way to get this really truly across in a way that's palatable, in a way that is inspiring so that it's activating people, is to tell it through a fiction story, tell it through a character, tell it through a story that someone can relate to and watch and care and whoa. And then you can educate through that on what this world is like and what it looks like. Otherwise, it's it's so evil. Why would it, why would good people want to know about it? I understand. Totally, totally agree. Yush and I often talk about smuggling information and how, you know, even with these podcasts, like we need to make them accessible and appealing so that people at least pick up their iPhone, find Spotify and want to listen to them. And then it's our job to kind of help them digest that information in the right kind of way so that it's not too much and I think what you say is so right you know it needs to be a balance of fiction and non-fiction documentaries docuseries and and that's how we learn you know I I remember when the movie Taken came out it was such a long time ago but I don't think I had even understood what the concept of trafficking was until I saw that movie so whether it's fiction or not it still did a huge amount to open certainly my eyes to to such a Terrible I mean, issue. it's based on real, that, that's so real and so it, common, you know, it, yeah. It, it's, it's, yeah, like you said, fiction. Um, but on the topic of Hollywood actors, how do we, I mean, you using your kind of voice and your platform as a Hollywood actor to shine a light on this, frankly, global epidemic, how do we encourage other public figures to do that as well? Because like you said earlier, Modern slavery and human trafficking, it's a dark topic, you know, it's, it's hard to get people to engage in this, whether you're a corporate or a Hollywood actor, but to put your kind of personal brand with a topic like this, it's it's a big deal. And would love to know how we can encourage more people to kind of use their voices and use their platforms to shine a light on modern slavery. I think, think it's a great question, you know, because I always get, what can I do? What can I do? How can I help? I want to help. What can I do? which is fantastic. And I think, I think giving our fellow, you know, people who have a voice, something to do helps because they're, you can feel helpless when you hear about the subject. The average person is like, ah, I want to go out and do something now. 
And so if there's one thing I'm actually learning, I should say, I'm still in the process of learning, is how to activate others to get on board with this issue and give them something to do. So one of the things just in the last like three weeks, I'm like, okay, let's do something as silly as like a 5k race, but make it huge and get invite the press and have celebrities. And we're doing a whole thing where we're going to, I'm still in this planning stages, but I want to put a, a different missing child's poster and missing child's name who's actively missing on like each runner and invite my fellow actors, entrepreneurs, anyone who, who has a voice um, to join in the race and, and shine a spotlight on either these missing kids that are continually missing or the issue of trafficking at hand, because it does take a village, but it, it takes a village and giving them something to do. So that's sort of been my biggest thing. Or if I'm doing, I'm probably going to do another, another big red carpet event and invite some of the people that I've had on the podcast to come and speak. And it's like, great, come to this event, lend us your name, come give out an award, come do this, post this on your social media. Can you talk about this on your podcast? And I, and I also think, and you guys might find this as well, I find partnering with other organizations and sort of like combining forces is, is sort of like, you know, it's like you double your money, you double your reach. Of and course. You, you know, so, so things, things like that. That's why we called ourselves the collective is that we wanted mm. to be a kind of umbrella and a collective that brings people together to partner, to, to join forces and to, you know, two heads are better than one. And if we yeah. all unite together, we're far more likely to impact real lasting change in our lifetimes. So I completely agree with that. Exactly. And I'm, I'm happy to be, be part of the collective. Well, I mean, you're definitely we're we're definitely connected now, and also, um, you know, if if you need if you need us to do anything like run in a race, I'm sure we'll be up for it. Thank you. Um, but we um we we always like to end our our um our interviews on a high and um a bit of a story of hope and sort of um leave everyone with a with a with a nice sort of story of something that that inspired yeah. you in your career or a moment of kindness. Um, you know, in terms of when, when you've been tackling slavery and, and everything, I, we'd love to hear that. Oh, great. Um, I would say one of the things that surprised me the most that I was inspired by was, you know, um, I went to Haiti and um, I went into this orphanage essentially where most of the kids had been sexually trafficked, you know, sexually abused and trafficked. And I couldn't imagine the horrors that they're, they had gone through. And I looked around and there's all these kids and it's, you know, they're, they're, they're walking on rocks barefoot and living, you know, three to a, a crib and like five to a bed and, and just not the best conditions if you can imagine. And they've been through hell and they're running up and they're, smiling and they're hugging and they're playing with each other and they're laughing and I'm looking at their beautiful faces and I'm like it's such a testament to the human spirit that it can you can't kill that that you can that these kids despite what they've been dealt 
can still go out and smile and joke and laugh and recover given the chance to recover and given love and given help. Um, that like the relief and the, the, oh, that that gave me was, was huge. And then I would say the other thing that actually personally inspires me, and I think I just touched on it a little bit was I haven't met one person that I've told, um, or educated about this issue that didn't say, I want to help. Not one. There wasn't one, not even, not even in my business, not, not one that was like, oh, well, I'm just concentrating on, you know, I don't know, clean water or something different. They were, whatever they were doing, they were like, oh my God, I, I, I want to help. What can I do? How can I, how can I help? Um, so that's been also very, very inspiring. I'm like, there's so many people out there that want to do something and make a difference. And I think through your podcast and, and what you're doing and what we're all doing, we're going to reach them. And I, and I truly believe we are going to see an end to this in our lifetime and that this will be something that we read about in the history books and that's it. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> I really hope so. I, I, yeah. really, I, I love your, I love your positivity. Marisol, thank you so much for joining us today. I can completely understand why they call you the Hollywood vigilante and your <laughs> dedication to the cause is unwavering. And especially the fact that you go out and you put yourself quite literally on the front line. It's, inspirational so thank you so much for joining us um here today and we look forward to hearing more about your work thank you thanks for having me on guys thank you our huge thanks to marisol nichols for joining us today if you'd like more information about how you can help us in the fight against modern slavery then take a look in our show notes for loads of useful information also, if you scroll down in your podcast app, you'll see a mini episode called Modern Slavery Explained. Have a listen to that. Jules and I break down some of the terminology and context around modern slavery in both the UK and abroad. We'll see you next week. Floodlight is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.